Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, we're going to dive into growing spiritually with your spouse. So whether you're married or looking ahead to the future, these principles are really what has helped Eric and I stay spiritually strong after 25 years of marriage. And we're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary this week, which is really incredible to me. I also wanted to let you know before we dive in that we have one week left to purchase our new online course called Christ-Centered Sexuality. This course includes over 20 hours of video teaching, audio teaching, and it's really designed for all ages and seasons of life, for parents who want to impart God's pattern for purity and godly romance to their children, for singles and young adults who are just wanting to navigate this area of your life according to God's pattern, and for couples who just need a fresh vision for godly romance, this is a really refreshing, life-giving course in a time when purity is either treated with scorn or a lot of times Christians veer into the realm of legalism. This is material that really brings God's pattern and God's life and joy and beauty back into this area of our lives. So it's called Christ-Centered Sexuality. You can look in our show notes for the link, or you can visit ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S, lie.com and just click the banner on the top of the homepage that says Christ-Centered Sexuality and that'll take you to the page where you can purchase this course. And again, it's only available for one more week. So I encourage you to purchase that soon and it's also great to go through with a small group. So let's look at ways to grow spiritually with your spouse. Like I said, Eric and I are celebrating our 25th anniversary, which is really hard for me to believe. But one of the questions that we've gotten recently when I was speaking at a retreat was some of our most special times together, our favorite dates that we've been on. And looking back over 25 years, we've we've done a lot of things together. We've been on a lot of different dates and outings and traveled together. We've been to Hawaii back in the day before we had kids. We've been to a lot of really beautiful places in the world in our different travels. But if I look back on the most important times that we spent together over the past 25 years and my favorite times of just being with Eric, it's always during times of prayer. Prayers has strengthened our marriage beyond what any marriage seminar ever could, beyond what any marriage book ever has, and even beyond a tropical romantic getaway to Hawaii. Prayer is one of those things that is overlooked in how much vibrancy it can bring to a marriage, and yet it's really the foundation for staying spiritually connected with your spouse. Eric and I used to pray for about the first 10 years of our marriage more in broad generalities. We didn't really make prayer a focal point. We definitely incorporated prayer into our daily life and our marriage and our ministry, but we were beginning to be hit really hard, attacked in so many areas of our lives by the enemy. We didn't even realize we were under spiritual attack until God really opened our eyes to see that. And I've shared that story before on different podcasts, but the key in that season was we awakened to the power of true wrestling prayer. And we had to make some hard choices. We had to say, okay, instead of just vegging in front of a movie on a Friday night, we're going to set aside a couple hours for really wrestling in prayer, for victory in these different areas of our life that we feel defeated in. And so we started to do that more as a matter of discipline and commitment rather than just something we were super excited to do. 
And yet, as we begin to really set aside time to go after the promises of God through prayer and to declare the promises of God over our lives and to lay our cares at Jesus' feet, it was incredible how much hope and joy and strength began to flow into not only our individual lives, but also into our marriage. Eric and I have never been closer in our marriage or had a stronger sense of oneness in our marriage than when we were praying passionately, importunately, in a a consistent way where we really are wrestling to see the kingdom of God made a reality in our lives. And so if this is a new concept to you, maybe you're married, but you don't really have a pattern of prayer in your marriage or really maybe the prayers are more like what Eric and I had in our in the beginning of our marriage which were just more simple and and general and broad and God may be calling you to a deeper level of prayer as a couple and it can be really difficult to start that when you're not used to it. It can feel awkward to pray out loud in front of another person. It can feel strange to really bring your cares before God in a consistent and importunate way. But really, if you look at the pattern of scripture, Jesus is constantly talking about the pattern for prayer. And it's not just saying a broad general prayer once or twice. It's going after the promises of God time and time and time again without giving up, without retreating until the breakthrough comes. And so I encourage you to talk with your spouse about how you can begin to incorporate prayer into your marriage. And even without going to marriage seminars or reading marriage books or taking tropical getaways to Hawaii, your marriage will automatically become stronger if you pray together. So if you're looking for some simple ways to begin, here are some pointers for you. And the first one is not to consult your emotions. I love what Corey Ten Boom says about this. Don't pray when you feel like it. Rather, have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. That was absolutely crucial for Eric and I when we first started incorporating prayer into our our lives, our, our days and our weeks together, because very rarely did we feel like praying. Usually we felt more like just relaxing and doing something mindless and fun. We didn't really want to set aside that time for prayer because prayer is not passive. Prayer is work. It's labor. Now, it's God-enabled labor if you're doing it not in your own strength but in his strength. But still, it's not just going brain dead and reciting a few words over and over. It really, you have to pray, as William Booth said, with all of your might. We found that when we set a regular appointment with God and honored it, no matter what our physical bodies or our emotions might be saying, our soul and our marriage was greatly benefited. And still to this day, whenever things are just stressful between us or we're not communicating well, we don't seem to really be on the same page, I know the solution is actually just to get together and really pray for real. And it's incredible how much unity that brings to our relationship. Choosing prayer rarely seems appealing in the moment. I remember a time when we had scheduled to to spend a couple hours in prayer and Eric had to run to the store to grab something and he was walking through the aisles and he saw buttered popcorn and he saw a DVD of some new movie that we were excited to see and he thought to himself, you know, it'd be a lot more fun to do that tonight than pray. But we had already set that appointment with the Lord and we felt convicted that God wanted us to keep that appointment. And after we spent that two hours in prayer, I was so refreshed and renewed far beyond if we had just done what seemed like the most fun in the moment. Prayer often has to become an act of the will, an act of obedience, and then those feelings of joy and fulfillment and peace that come from those prayer times will follow. 
Remember that God says in his presence is fullness of joy. So don't let the enemy fool you into thinking that prayer is a a mundane, miserable, dutiful experience. And if we just sort of go to things that are more mindless and don't have eternal value, that's where we'll find real joy. The reality is that we'll find true lasting joy in the presence of our king. So don't push that off to the side. Make it a priority. Set an appointment with the Lord and keep it. Now, it doesn't have to be a two-hour prayer session. You might be intimidated by hearing me say two hours. We started out with maybe 20 minutes at a time and then 30 and then worked our way up to two hours. So it's something that if you're not used to praying for longer periods of time, it's okay to start with 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. But the goal is to really extend those times of prayer so that they're not just afterthoughts in your daily life, but they're actual really incredible benefits to your marriage, your spiritual life, and something that you really build into your weekly life in a purposeful way. The second pointer I'd like to give you is to be aware of the spiritual battle that happens to a married couple who is intent on praying together. The enemy does not like it when we pray with our spouse. And so he'll do whatever he can to distract us and convince us that we don't need to pray, we're too tired to pray, we're too busy to pray, or we can always just pray later. I would encourage you to be on guard against those lies and don't take that bait because when you least feel like praying is usually when you need prayer the most. If you think about the book of Nehemiah, when he was doing the work that God had called him to do, he was hit so hard by noise from the enemy, distractions from the enemy. They hit him from every angle, you know, accusing him of trying to build his own kingdom and usurp the king and threatening him that he needed to run and hide in the temple to save his life. And on and on and on, these these threats and these noises from the enemy went until finally he had to say, I am not going to listen to this. I am not going to heed this. I'm going to go back to the work that God has called me to do. And that is building the wall. And that's the same attitude we have to take towards prayer. We're not going to listen to the distractions of the enemy or take his bait. We're going back to the work that God has called us to do, and that is wrestling prayer. So be on guard also against irritation and frustrations and arguments that arise with your spouse as soon as you decide to start praying together. The enemy knows that if he can get us sidetracked with an argument or with frustration towards the other person, he can totally thwart our time of prayer. So don't let him succeed. Call on the grace of God to put aside your frustrations. Ignore that temptation to bicker with your spouse and forgive any offenses that have arisen and then get back to what God has called you to do, which is praying together together. Remember, as Amy Carmichael said, the enemy is more aware than we are of the spiritual possibilities that depend on obedience. We should never be surprised that he seeks by assault, and if that fails, by undermining our defenses to compel us to give way. So be aware of the battle and don't take the enemy's bait. The third tip I'd like to give you is to identify hindrances, things that may be standing in the way of you and your spouse having a powerful prayer life together. Obviously, unconfessed sin in your life or unconfessed bitterness towards each other usually would be at the top of the list of something that would hinder your prayer times. You really cannot come boldly into the throne of grace when you have things like bitterness standing in the way. You know it's there and you, you don't want to let it go. You don't want to forgive the other person or willful knowing sin that you don't intend to renounce from your life can definitely put a barrier in your ability to really reach the heart of God through prayer. Amy Carmichael said, a single sin, however apparently trifling. A sin that we do not intend to renounce is enough to render real prayer 
ineffective. Eric and I had to walk through a time of repentance before we really entered into a powerful time of wrestling prayer. There were so many things we had been allowing to creep into our lives, just knowing they were there, but not really dealing with them, not taking them very seriously. Things like unforgiveness or just frustration towards each other, uh, offenses that we weren't willing to let go of up to that point, or just habits in our lives that we knew were not glorifying to God and he was convicting us about. And so we made a list and of, of everything that God was bringing to our mind and convicting us about. And we repented to God and to each other of those things and allowed God to reclaim that territory that had been given to the enemy through bitterness or resentment or just ongoing willful sin. And once we did that, it was incredible how much strength it brought into our prayer life because no longer was there that barrier between us and intimacy with Christ. We were able to come boldly into the throne room of grace because we knew we were right with God. So if God brings things to your mind, whether it's unforgiveness or knowing willful sin, repentance is really by God's grace, confessing your sin, turning and walking the other direction. So that's what I would encourage you to do is walk through a time of repentance for anything that God brings to your mind and confessing those sins and then purposely choosing by God's grace to walk in the other direction in each of those areas of your life. So if you've been bitter towards someone, show love and grace and mercy toward them instead, etc. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So take it seriously that if God's bringing things into your mind that need to be made right, to do that before you enter into those prayer times with your spouse. I'd like to give you a few other ways to stay spiritually connected with your spouse. I would definitely put wrestling prayer at the very top of the list. And if you'd like to go deeper into wrestling prayer, we have a book called Wrestling Prayer that you can get at our store at setapartgirl.com or at ellersley.com. There's a lot of great material in that book, and it's really a book that Eric and I wrote out of the season when we were learning how to wrestle in prayer together. But here are a few other ways that you can stay spiritually connected with your spouse or grow together spiritually with your spouse spouse. And the first one is to experience growth together. So a lot of Christian material that you'll see today is geared for either men or women or teens or singles, etc. There's always that niche. And that can be really helpful. Obviously, at Set Apart Girl, we have a lot of material that is geared for women. And Eric has a lot of material that is geared for men. There's something really powerful about going deep into those issues of masculinity and femininity or whatever season of life you happen to be in. But in addition to that, there is also something very powerful about going through spiritual material together as a couple because it helps cultivate unity between a husband and wife. So while you may be going through a women's Bible study or your husband may be going through material for men, don't neglect the area of going through spiritual material together as well. Much like cultivating a thriving prayer life, growing spiritually with your spouse won't happen unless you set aside purposeful time for it. So even if you and your husband can only plan an hour once a week to go through a Bible study or read a Christian biography or study scripture together, you will see so many benefits spiritually in your home and in your marriage if you make those times a priority. Now, if you're looking for some material to start with, I would encourage you to first and foremost, listen to audio scripture when you're doing projects together around the house or when you're driving together in the car, that is an incredible way to listen to the same things, glean the same truths from the word of God. Read or listen to Christian biographies together. And in our next episode, I'm going to go through some Christian biographies that have really impacted Eric and I in our spiritual growth as a couple. But I love Christian biographies for growing together spiritually because you read how God's truth has changed the lives of other men and women, and then you can discuss those things and how those principles apply to your life. I would also encourage you to go through Bible 
Bible studies together. You can even look on ellerslie.com and start listening through sermons together. We have a lot of other material that you can go through together on that website, podcasts, and other resources that will help you grow as a couple spiritually. I would encourage you to read scripture together. Maybe have a time set aside every morning or every evening or both where you can go through the same scriptures together and talk about how to apply it to your daily life with what you're going through right now. And you can read some great daily devotionals together. There are a lot of shallow ones that have been published in the Christian community in recent decades, but I love going back to the classic devotionals like My Utmost for His Highest and Streams in the Desert and Daily Light for Your Daily Path. Some of those classic tried and true devotionals have so much depth, even in two or three paragraphs in one devotional, it can be truly life-changing. So talk about, as you go through this material, talk about what God is teaching you, what is standing out to you, what God is is resonating within your spirit and discuss that with your husband. And that will be an incredible catalyst for spiritual growth. So just prayerfully consider what simple steps you and your spouse can take to plan time for those those spiritual growth times. Is there a time daily or weekly when you could be listening to an audiobook, a sermon, or the Bible? Can you set aside an hour on the weekend to explore scripture together? Ask God to just show you some simple steps that you can take. And soon you're going to be just amazed at the spiritual like mind that begins to flow into your marriage. And the last suggestion that I have for growing spiritually with your spouse is to go together. And what I mean by this is to go places together. So don't just always go away to a women's retreat or a men's camp out or, you know, go to be alone by yourself. The enemy loves to see families disconnect from each other, like I said earlier. And it's not necessarily wrong to go to a women's retreat or for your husband to go to a men's camp out. But when we're constantly going in different directions, it's going to pull us apart spiritually. So make sure that you you're going places together, especially going to things that will build up your spiritual life. I knew a pastor here in our local community who was burned out and needed a break. And instead of, he took some time off of work and instead of bringing his wife and his children with him for a getaway to reconnect with his family and with God, he felt like he needed to just be alone. He wanted to sort of escape from his wife and his kids, his family responsibilities, while also escaping from his church responsibilities. And he ended up in a hotel in another state, just sort of drinking alcohol and watching TV. And that was his version of a getaway or or me time, alone time. And on that trip, he actually ended up being unfaithful to his wife. And that was just the beginning of the end for his marriage and his ministry. Not that that always has to happen if you take time alone by yourself, but be really cautious of this mentality that says, I need to escape from my spouse. I need to get away from this person because you and your spouse are one flesh and God didn't intend for us to try to get away from our own flesh. So if you take time away by yourself, make sure that it is not in the attitude of escaping or trying to disconnect from your spouse. But just maybe if you need to have time alone with God, it's for the purpose of becoming even stronger spiritually spiritually so that you can really fully give as God has called you to give to that other person. So women's retreats, mommy's nights out, guys camping trips, men's conferences, all these things can be healthy and refreshing. But be sure that you and your spouse are purposeful about going to things together as well. So a couple quick practical ideas for going together. You can plan times to attend Christian events or spiritual retreats together. And at Ellerslie, we have one-week training programs and five-week training programs and season-long programs that you can come to as a couple. We've had a lot of married couples come just to gain that strong spiritual foundation. And there are other Christian events and retreats that you can go to together as well. 
Or maybe you can meet with another couple for prayer and Bible study every week. You can watch inspiring Christian films and documentaries and discuss them together. So those are just a few ways to start. But think of it in terms of going together and sharing those experiences together whenever possible. So as we conclude, what if your husband isn't on board with growing together spiritually? I know that a lot of wives find themselves in this situation. If your spouse is apathetic towards the idea of spiritual growth, remember, it's not hopeless. Continue to diligently pray that God will change his heart and give him the passion and motivation to take the lead in your growth as a couple. And instead of nagging or complaining, continue to cheerfully love him, encourage him, and set a beautiful example for him of what a Christ-centered life really looks like. Be patient and offer grace. You can only be responsible for your soul, not his, but pray that God would do a tremendous work of grace in his life. Some of the most Christ-centered and beautiful couples throughout history had very difficult lives, but their relationship flourished because they remained spiritually unified. If you want to see some examples of what I'm talking about, here are a few couples to study. Hudson and Maria Taylor, they founded the China Inland Mission, and he was known as the father of modern missions. And what they had to face in pioneering missions work in China was beyond what most of us could ever even imagine. And yet their marriage was beautiful and strong, not because they had romantic getaways to Hawaii, or marriage conferences to go to, but because they cultivated prayer and spiritual unity. William and Catherine Booth, they co-founded the Salvation Army, one of the most impactful ministries that has ever been in Christianity. Same thing with them. They had a very difficult life. They didn't have a lot of time to just go to marriage retreats, but they cultivated spiritual unity in their relationship. Oswald and Biddy Chambers were another amazing example. Richard and Sabina Wormbrandt and Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. So read those stories with the mentality that these people didn't have some of the things that our culture will tell us we have to have in order to have a thriving marriage, but they had the core of what makes a marriage really thrive, which is a central focus on Jesus Christ and a commitment to growing together spiritually. So here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. A couple who prays together and purposely grows spiritually together is a couple that will have a thriving marriage, even without marriage conferences, marriage counseling, or romantic getaways. The closer you draw to Jesus Christ, the closer you will draw to each other. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Again, don't miss a Christ-centered sexuality online course that is available for one more week at ellerslie.com. And you can go to setapartgirl.com as well for other resources on how to grow spiritually with your spouse. I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.